Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK. And uh, it finally happened. It finally happened. Um, I got the vid. And the vid. for some reason, I'm totally asymptomatic. And all I have is just my smell and taste is gone. And it's How's sucks. that ice cream? Um, but I do have with me because of that. That's why we're on a screen in separate rooms. We're actually, I'm kind of quarantining in the studio right now, trying to get some work done in this focus mode time is what I'm calling it. And Lou is in studio. A. hi, hi Lou. Hey, how you doing? Lou, uh, what nickname do you want today? Uh, let's Laser go Lou. with, Laser um, no, nah, not Lucky Loser Lou. Lou. Not, no, we did Lucky Lou. We did Lucky Lou. Yeah, we did that one. It was Lady Luck Lou. Lady Luck Lou. Let me see. Let's call it Lavish Lou. Because lavish Lou. Part of our topic today, I may be the one that's on the lavish side. Ooh, Lavish Lou. Oh, Lavish Lou, how are you doing? You know, living lavishly as Lou. I haven't seen you in a few days. Well, I have, but I haven't. And I mean, uh, I've seen your trail. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um Today, also my hair is messed up because of it. So if you're watching on YouTube, which I recommend, come say hi. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Today, uh, DK will get his own name. My it hair will be is Mr. Beaker DK. Yeah, my hair is wild right now. Straight up afro because I stopped fixing it because I don't see anybody. And apparently when I don't fix my hair, it just goes straight up into the air. So it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, uh, today we have a cool episode. I finally got around to gathering up all my sponsors and all the all of the show's sponsors, our sponsors, excuse us, and uh, got some stuff that I want to share. Uh, one of them being that I finally, finally, finally have created a much requested equipment list of things that we recommend that Lou and I have both used in the past or are using currently. Or want to use in the future that we recommend. Um, I have a list of this stuff in the description below, um, but it's also available on our on our link links.dkmixes.com or mixingmusicpodcast.com. Uh, if you go to mixingmusicpodcast.com, you'll find the entire list. Um, let me find it right now. It is under the sponsors tab. If you go to sponsors and click on equipment recommendations, there's also book recommendations, free plugins, file pass, all this other fun stuff. So go check that out. Um, but today we're going to take a look at the equipment list. And uh, this is a good list. We talk, I mean, before we talked about some headphones that you use. So now there's a direct link on to Amazon from it. Um, the DT770 Pros and my headphones that I used as well, uh, that I currently use as well. Uh, it's a pretty good list. So we're going to talk about this a little bit and talk about how it can help you and your business and your mixing. And more importantly, uh, I, I do want to emphasize that the, this equipment does not make you a better engineer, does, will not make you a better producer. 
But uh, it is a combination of stuff that has worked for us to help us make money, which is why we recommend these products. And these are all Amazon links, so they are more affordable. Um, so this is not high-end stuff. Although there's a couple higher-end items for those that want to, but uh, this is meant to be for anybody that's starting off or looking for a couple recommendations. So starting with headphones, Lou, can you tell us about your choice of headphones? Why you recommend the Bayer Dynamic DT770s? Well, for me, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, the BT, the DT770s, uh, realistically for me, actually sound pretty much just like a vocal-centric mix kind of headphone. Like, there's not amazing, amazing top end. There's not amazing, amazing low end. But what it does do is actually gives you the details that you need in the low mids and the mid range to where you can actually pick out certain details you wouldn't have before on, let's say, like Audio-Technica's or like Beats headphones. I know a lot of people like to still mix with Beats because the whole concept is if it sounds good on Beats in the studio, it should sound good on Beats on the go, right? But, uh, you know, if you're trying to get uh, a bit, little bit better carving in the mid-range, the DT770s have been a good favorite of mine, especially if you're doing vocals or rock music, something where it's mid-heavy kind of music. Uh, live drums, very mid-heavy. Uh, guitars, very mid-heavy. Distorted bass kind of stuff, very mid-heavy. But we all want our vocals to shine, right? And the DT770s actually kind of helped me pick the vocals out of the mix a little more in detail than other headphones. There you go. And I've used uh, the Bear Dynamics in the past. I like those, and they're very nice. Um, I included on the list as well my personal headphones that I'm using right now, which are the Aventone Mix Phones. Um, the Bear Dynamics are going right now for about 150 IC. Um, and... Uh, Mine are about 200 right now, so they're both kind of like lower-end headphones, but I still trust mine a lot, um, and uh, I do see the future going in headphones, into headphones, and I know that people in the past have asked us about interfaces, so I added um, the Focus Scarlet Solo as well as the Apollo, UA Apollo Solo. Um, while I was working at Guitar Center years and years ago, I think the best way that I could explain the Universal Audio stuff was that the Focusrite is just a mini, a small interface. Whereas like the Apollo Twin, which was out at the time, was a, a smaller version of a big interface. That's kind of how I like to explain it. Um, it's it's kind of two different leagues where uh, I do think that because of the DSP from UAD as well as their conversion, I really like their converters. Um, and their preamps that are built in is really nice. I always recommend the UA, but but to at least skip stuff done, that if you have a Focusrite solo, like the $100 interface, like you get rid of all your excuses. There's no excuses. And I know, Lou, you just got an Apollo, right? Like a small little one? Do you still use that? Uh, no, actually. I had one of the units that is on our recommendation list, but because I'm going to be eventually getting a different Apollo. Um, so talking about interfaces, you know, I know we're touching base on, uh, the twin and the, the focus, right? I know that the solo is on there too. And that's the one I actually just sold. Um, I actually really liked it. In fact, it was my favorite little unit for laptop producers or engineers. Like, uh, whenever I can't be in the studio, it was really convenient being able to just connect over Thunderbolt. But, uh, the only drawback on it that I just personally couldn't get over was no secondary headphone jack. Um, which is why the next Apollo I will be getting, once again, going into like the whole desktop units that just 
there were smaller versions of the big units, uh, the X4. There you go. So we're a big fan of UAD and stuff. So um, Great units. Great units. Again, you can find this list on mixingmusicpodcast.com. All right, the next thing is monitoring, just because people ask us so often, so often, um, speakers that you recommend. And if you're, are you looking at the same list, Lou? Yes, I am. Do you want to talk about your favorites? Uh, so I see you put the JBL 305s there. Ooh, uh, I meant to put I in know. the 306s. I'll change that. Yeah, I was going to say, the 306 is my recommendation. Um, but I will say this, Tizio, who we recently interviewed for the podcast, uh, he actually uses a pair of 305s as reference monitors. And, uh, you know, before you went to PMCs, I believe he was just mixing on 305s for the longest. Um, not to say that he didn't have any other resources available, but I know he's a big backer of the 305s. I like the 306s just because they give me that little bit extra low end. And I remember when we first started uh, putting the the studio together, uh, in Studio A, before we put the ATCs up, I had put the JBLs up. And one of the funniest reactions I saw to them was you walking into the room like, whoa, like, these are the JBLs? Like, put in a nice room and everything? It's not just a bedroom studio or project studio monitor. Like, they really go really well, if even in big rooms. I really do like the 6-inch JBLs. Actually, those are probably f- my favorite uh, budget monitors. And we've talked about that in the past. And I'll make sure that, fi- that link is fixed. Um, so I also included the Yamaha HS7s because the HS7s are technically six and a half inch monitors, woofers, I believe. I still recommend them over the 8s. Yep. I like them over the 8s as well. Uh, and again, something about that six, six and a half, that seven, it, within there, it's like, it's, it's really money. The 8s kind of have a little bit too much low end within budget <laughs> monitors, I spine. Um, but the third one that I added is the Aventone Mix Cube. Now, it's one of my favorites. It's The Mix Cube is just a really shitty box, a bad speaker, and uh, it's... A, and a pleasing enclosure. Yeah, a pleasing enclosure. It looks nice, but it's it's meant to sound bad. Um, and it kind of makes you dial in that mid-range because it's got one woofer and that's it. So it doesn't have the high highs and the low lows at all. Um, doesn't even have lows and highs, <laughs> like regular lows and highs. It's it's just mid range, and it kind of helps you dial in that mid range. And I use it for referencing and kind of mixing as well. Um, anytime I'm in Studio B doing a tracking session, sometimes I'll actually dial in the vocal level, like when we first initially track it while using the mix cube. I really like the mix cube. I, honestly, yeah. I feel like it's super underrated in my setup. And I would go as far as to say that if that was my only... And by the way, one of them. You don't want to buy... Stereo is cool and all, but I recommend if you're going to use it as, especially as an alternative speaker, like an alt speaker, a secondary pet set of speakers, you got to use it as a mono cube. A mono cube. That's the best way to use it. Don't use it as a stereo cubes. Um, and and I, I honestly, it's part of my most underrated part of my setup because it really... like If I'm ever questioning myself on the mains, I just switch to that. And there's no more questioning anymore. It's it's incredible, uh, especially yeah. with like 808s and low ends and vocals and how the vocals sit on top of a vo- of a mix and stuff like that. Like it's it's just a really solid companion for any sort of mixer. No, it's actually great. And honestly speaking, like uh, you know, I use here in Studio A, uh, I use a pair of old uh, NS10s with a Bryson amp. And to be honest, if I had to choose, like not having either one, I'd probably go with the Mix Cube Mono just because. Let's be honest, a Bryson amp with NS10s, you're you're buying four mixed cubes at that price point. 
<laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. And they don't sound great either way. So if I had to choose one or the other, well, since they both don't sound amazing, why am I going to spend four times as much on one that doesn't sound any better? That's right. It's um, it's so funny to me. Uh, I love how good or bad these bad speakers sound and help help us make us I like I mean there's a reason why NS10s are still so popular widely used within the mix world by themselves oh, yeah. like yeah it's it's awesome to me um yeah. I did add a few different mics and I know this is a really weird episode cuz I'm just kind of charging through these and I'm trying to explain a little bit about each one but each one has been a combination of people have asked us in the past as well as we're kind of making recommendations right now so I know, the funny like, thing is that many of them aren't really that complicated. Yeah, it's not that complicated, and they're pretty straightforward. And people have already heard it, so I think it's more just like us reconfirming for people that are wondering. Uh, mm -hmm. We hope that you find this episode beneficial. And uh, let's see, uh, the microphones. I have a few microphones on here, including a bonus one that I really like. I think it's hilarious, um, as well as a mic stand, which we'll talk about the importance of a good mic stand in a second. Um, but I've added uh, a link to the 57, uh, SM57, which is like a $90 mic on Amazon, and a pack of 357s, uh, three tom clips, and or three drum clips, and a Beta 52 for like a little bit of a drum kit setup. Uh, the SM7B, which is what I'm using right now, which is what we usually use. But right now, you're using the Latin Audio 208? Yep. Uh, so Latin is one of our sponsors. I know we're little by little transitioning into more of their gear. I know we use the Eden, the Oceanus. Uh, we have a 320 here. We have this 208. Um, and honestly, each one of them is proving worth every penny. But uh, we the SM7B has always been a solid staple, whether it be radio, podcast, vocals. Uh, Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on the original SM7. Um, it's literally a solid, cheap mic. Yeah. It's not as it's not super duper cheap <laughs> relative to who you're talking to, but to us, yes, it's very cheap, um, and it's a really Compared really great to mic. another mic on this list. Definitely yeah, cheap. Definitely cheap. Um, I've added the Shure SM81. The reason why I added that mic, it's a small diaphragm condenser, but this is my hidden secret with this mic. I saw my favorite band Wolfpack using this for one of their old videos called Hero Town. And you point that at the snare drum. If you're looking for a snare mic, holy crap. I don't know what it is about that mic, but it is just special to me. And I have a really badly beaten up one that you can't even change the filters on it or anything like that. And it sounds so good. Like, it makes a snare sound like a snare drum, and I love it. And then the bonus mic that I added is a $4,000 $4, microphone, which is a emulation of a $10,000 microphone from Golden Age. now. A little clone. The Golden Age Project. Uh, Lou, you had the pleasure to kind of shoot the original out with the demo one, right? Or was that somebody I else? I did. There okay, was something was surprising you. about this. So uh, in a nutshell, the C800G from Sony has always been a nice little classic. It's, to be honest, me and you have the same view on this where it's, we don't exactly love the mic. Like the price point does not make sense with the sound of it, you know? Uh-huh. But the reality is this, it's become a staple because it's been on so many hit records and been used in such a way that it actually shines through on certain types of records. Well, not everybody can justify spending $10,000 on anything. 
a microphone, an interface, a, a monitor stand. I, I don't care what it is, you know. The monitors, you know, depends who you talk to. Me and you, we both have a set of monitors that are over 10,000, but we do mixing for a living. We record and we produce for people for a living, and this is our career. But if you're just tracking at home and getting your start, maybe $10,000 mic isn't the best place to start. But if you have a budget put together and you're looking for something really cool, when we shot out the Golden Age projects, uh, I think they're calling it now because I remember they changed their name Like now. the 8000s or whatever? Yeah, the GA8000. I know it used to be the GA800G, so now I think it's the GA8000. Yeah, I think they got uh, they got sued or something. or they got. I think so. Yeah. But, you know, in a nutshell, we tested out three different Sony C800Gs and the Golden Age GA8000, or at the time it was called the GA800G. And uh, funny enough, it held toe-to-toe, not in a sense of like it's almost there. They sounded exactly the same. In fact, the Golden Age had a lower noise floor and a better top end. It wasn't so shrill. Really? So honestly, it was just a better mic. And the bottom end was a little more filled out without being tubby. Yo, do you think that we're eventually, I assume we're eventually going to get one in our studio because we've had way too many like label artists that said that they need to have a... They need to have an 800G. So if we have something that looks like it and sounds like it, like then I could confidently say like, yo, we got, we got basically, we got an 800G. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we have an exact copy of it. Yes. We have a GA8000. Yeah. And, and honestly, like it looks cool as well. The shell, the casing is exactly the same. So I think that we'll see one of those in the studio in the future. Yeah. I'm honestly, even the aesthetic, if it helps inspire the artist, why not? Yeah, you know we're here to create an uh, an experience. So, if the microphone helps create that experience, I'm all for it. There you go. There you go. The next one on the list is the Latch Lake Mic King, which is a mic stand. And I want to talk about mic stands a little bit. This is a nicer, higher end, like big mic stand. Um, but I want to talk about the importance of mic stands, which is probably one of the most overlooked equipment in the studio. What do you think? Honestly, it really is. Um, I do a lot of studio design, as you already know, and we've mentioned before. And the number one thing I see people skimp on, I always try to get them into like a nice stand for their nice microphone. They'll buy like a, you know, a decent studio build out with a decent budget for like a mic. They'll spend $3,000 on the mic, but then they'll get like a $20 stand to put it on. And then they wonder why it wobbles around. And then they say the microphone's too heavy. But the reality is... The microphone's heavy because of the quality of build. That's why it costs so much. So putting it on a good quality mic stand, something that's resistant to vibration and everything, actually makes a world of a difference. And the fact that you can actually place it wherever you want without having to worry about your mic toppling over is worth every penny of the stand. Now, the Latch Lake, I know, is about $500, if I'm not mistaken. But the Latch Lake is also amazing if you're dealing with like live instruments. Let's say a string section um, you may want to put it over the group. Let's say there's a quartet of strings. Well, you may want to hang a very nice microphone above them, but if you're trying to keep it away from their feet, let's say it's cellos or something, well, you don't have a lot of space on the floor, do you? So having a nice heavy mic stand where you can reach far without having to worry if your mic's going to topple over is really, really useful. 
I love that. Yeah, and I really do think that mic stands are way too often broken. And honestly, the cheap ones that seem flimsy and whatnot, you're going to actually spend more money on that, buying new ones all the time, than just getting one nice one. So, I hate when the threading at the top just endlessly spins, and now your clip is stuck to it. Even like a, a bigger one like that, the Latch Lake is, is a bigger mic stand that's meant for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bigger stuff, and you can do, use them as drum overheads, whatever. It's not your typical stage kind of one. Um, but I will stay. I will say that even with our cheaper ones, the ultimate support ones that we use, they keep breaking on us. So I see us in the future. Like I've used a lot of latch lakes. I know you have as well. Yep. Like we're gonna definitely need a couple of those in the studio in the future. Atlas uh, mic stands are also a great one. There you go. There you go. I added a really cheap power conditioner as well because I think that people should use a power conditioner, um, the M862 uh, by Furman, which is kind of just the cheap standard one. It's it's kind of like a glorified, uh, what is it, what do you call it? Not a power conditioner, but a oh uh, a power strip. There you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's, a, gl- it's a glorified power strip with a little bit of noise cleanup going on under the hood. Yeah. Um, so just something that we recommend if you are using just a bunch of cheap power strips, uh, that is potentially a fire hazard. Um, so these ones will do better as well and they're sleek and they're black and they're small. So they look really nice and aesthetic and fit into rack hardware. And Uh, if you're looking for it to be fireproof in case you do plug in too many things into it, get into the PL series. Those are actually rated to be, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like if the fuse were to pop, it should not cause a fire. There you go. Ever. Uh, and uh, I've added the two pieces of warm audio gear that I, I love. Uh, the the Bus Comp, which I highly recommend. I use on almost every mix. Just such a good compressor. Um, and I've added the Warm Audio 1176s as well. Anybody listening knows that. Anybody that's been listening knows that I'm a big fan of 1176s. I know that 1176s are usually hated or loved. Not really in between. I'm definitely on the loved side. I love them. A lot, uh, and there's only a few things that they don't work on for me um, because even if you just use them just a touch, it's quite awesome. Uh, for the hardware, I specifically use them to distort stuff. Like I love parallel compressing vocals with the hardware. Um, I love throwing in 808s with the all buttons in, doing the fastest release, and kind of adjusting the top end of the distortion with the fast with uh, attack because the fast attack and the fast release kind of causes the signal to distort. So then if I back off and slow down the attack, it'll uh, decrease the top end of the distortion in the 808. It's really cool. I really love that sound. Um, and I'll blend that in. Um, I've added as well on the list uh, the keyboard. It's a wired. They don't have wireless versions. I don't know why they don't have wireless versions, but um, I've added a keyboard of a bunch of, of the same keyboard that we, excuse me, the same keyboard that we see in a lot of uh, studios a lot of uh, classrooms as well, is the Pro Tools shortcut keyboard. How important is it, Lou, to remember your shortcuts? Uh, I tell a lot of people, if you're too slow in the session and you kill the vibe because of your inability to work fast enough, you're usually fired. They won't tell you you're fired. They just won't call you back. So a fast and efficient workflow will keep you in the room for years to come. I think that's really awesome. And it's true. Like every single time we get a gig, especially here since I moved here, every single time I get a gig or people keep dis- decide to have keep me around, it's usually because I'm fast, really fast. Yeah, and, you're fast. Uh, you know what you're doing. You can 
act on things quickly and you're fiddling around with the computer a lot less. There you go. There you go. So we recommend everybody learn your shortcuts. And if you need a little bit of a shortcut keyboard, I think soon Lou and I, we were just talking about potentially even releasing a line of shortcut key uh, mouse pads. We have Pro Tools shortcut mouse pads. That'll be really cool with our faces on. No, I'm just kidding. We won't put our faces on them <laughs> unless I'll you really want to. I'll put my back on it. You know. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll sign the bottom of it where it's all black, and you won't see our signatures. No. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it with a black sharpie. <laughs> so uh, uh, the last two items that I added, which are very important, um, they don't seem to be that important, but I really like them uh, because they're they're not audio gear. It's just two things that help out with the studio. And the first one that I want to talk about briefly is a do not disturb sign. So it's a sign that we have on both of our studio doors where you could slide it to do not disturb or welcome, please knock. So whenever people are in a session and our interns come in or if I come in or whoever comes in, and if there's a session going on, I know not to bother and I know not to walk in. I know, Lou, you've talked about how one of your pet peeves is people just walking into random studio sessions. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, it's a huge vibe killer for a lot of artists because a lot of artists, let's be honest, their insecurity doesn't get checked at home. It comes with them to the studio. You know, they're about to either write a song. They don't know if it's going to be great or not. And they're nervous to tell anybody about it or even show anybody. Some people are a little more confident, you know, but the reality is you can't deny that if they're not feeling confident that day and somebody just randomly walks in like, hey, what are you guys working on? It's like, um, can you leave? <laughs> No, yeah, for real. It has happened a few times here in our studio as well. As, but because of that, we try to keep it a culture of never doing that. And, and definitely nobody on our team who does that. And luckily, because of these signs, it helps us out. So if you do have a vocal booth or a studio and it's $10 on $11 on Amazon to just get like a little privacy sign, a do not disturb sign, that can be easily flipped um, to welcome or do not disturb. It's really awesome. Another thing is that not everybody uh, has gold and platinum records to decorate in the studio. Okay, so this is the last one. This is one of my favorite things to do, especially I did a lot in Utah with all my independent artists. Um, this is a little bit harder, and it's still special because people don't print physical CDs anymore. But if you have clients that um, print physical CDs on Amazon for 30 bucks a piece, you can buy a frame for your CD and album cover. So you take out the CD and pull out the paper uh, and you put the CD in the, in the, in the case, in the little uh, picture frame, and you put the album art in the picture frame and you can hang those up, make it look really nice. It actually looks really nice. We had a bunch of those, a uh, dozen of those hanging in my Utah studio um, before we had any big credits, just of like local artists and stuff. And it was always super appreciated. People sent me their own CDs all the time just to, just to try to get up on the wall and it was it was really awesome. It was fun. It was great for people walking in. I actually it was it was aesthetically pleasing as well. I really like that, and I think that it is something that uh, can be good. But at the same time, um, there's the Lou will always talk about commercial versus personal studio, right? Oh yeah. So uh, you know, use your best judgment. But I really really like that, and I think that even if we weren't huge or anything like that, I would still like to use those. Um, but just not in this commercial facility, unfortunately. Um, but in the future, when I got more of a private spot, there we go. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. So uh, that's kind of the end of the list there. Is there anything else that you kind of want to add? Uh, yeah. Having a DI box. 
Ooh, DI box. See, a lot of people forget this part because uh, many people nowadays actually uh, record directly into their interface, which is nothing wrong unless you don't have a reamp box or a reamp option on your interface. I know some do. Um, but, you know, with that said, if you're dealing with uh, guitarists that are pretty experienced, let's say you're taking on some first-time gigs at like some local studios or something like that, a lot of times it's a good idea to record those guitarists with a DI box so that in the event that they're not so satisfied with the way the guitar cab may have been mic'd or something, you can always say, you know what, at least I got both the amp tone and the DI. So you can try to either create a copy of that amp tone uh, with plugins, maybe go rent a better amp and a better mic or something, whatever. You have options. But what I've seen a lot is that people either only have the DI and then they rely on the emulations and these guitarists are picky on their tones. They're like, oh, this just sounds like a copy of an amp. This doesn't sound like the real thing. I've I've heard it a million times out here in LA. You get a lot of really great session players just like in Nashville. And those guys are very picky about their tones. So a DI can actually make or break a production session. I forgot about a DI. Dang, maybe I'll add one. Is there one that you specifically recommend? Yes, the there's radials? three. There's three actually. Ooh, okay. Uh, the JDI. It's an active pick, uh, active DI from uh, Radial, um, but it actually has a Jensen transformer in it. That's why they call it the JDI. That's dope. But that Jensen transformer sounds amazing on a passive bass guitar, or let's say a, like a passive Tele or something like. Because you know some Tellys come with like EMGs nowadays or active Seymours or something. Um, but it actually adds a nice tone to the instrument. And then there's also the RNDI, which is the same price point. They're both $199. Um, and the RNDI also uses uh, one of Rupert Neve's transformers inside of it. So it also has a nice little mid-range boost. So it helps with like, uh, if you're doing like DI bass instruments into a nice preamp or something, it actually adds a nice little presence in the mid-range to help the bass cut through. And lastly, you can never just go wrong with the Pro DI. It's a hundred bucks. Once again, from Radial, um, it literally is exactly what you need. It's rugged. You can take it on the road. You can throw it against the wall and watch there be a hole in the wall, but no damage on the DI box. <laughs> That's so true. It's wild. I mean, uh, Warm Audio has one. Telefunken has one. Like, there's a bunch of companies out there that have DI boxes now, and they can get pretty cheap or really expensive and really nice. There's a lot of tube ones. Yeah, you can get like the Avalon. What is it? The U5, I believe, that goes for like six, seven hundred dollars. There you go. Live Livewire yeah. has some at Guitar Center, the in-house brand of Guitar Center. Um, yeah. They're actually not too too bad. The Behringer has a couple, which are not very good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, just so you guys know, there's also like if you have like an Apogee Symphony, not a Symphony. Uh, what is this? they called? The Ensemble, I believe it's called. Their eight-channel interface. Yep. Yep. Um, well, that one actually has a reamp built into it. So you can actually record DI into it just for Co reference sake and then always reamp later if you wanted to for a real tone. Uh, doesn't Antelope make a couple interfaces that have reamp as well? Say that again? Antelope. Antelope has a couple reamp lines yeah. on a couple of their yeah, interfaces. They yeah. yeah, which is different. Um, reamp is different from high Z inputs. Those are different. Yeah, so. but what's cool is you can always use, just as a reminder, people, a reamp is also a really cool tool to have if you're trying to do weird things. Like, 
let's say you want to run the vocals through a guitar amp for an actual amp distorted tone and then mic up the cab and that's your ad-lib vocal tone. Who knows? Or you go through your pedals, put the vocals through some pedals. Oh my God, the Maris uh, Mercury uh, Reverb pedal. Uh, it comes in stereo in pedal form and I really, really want one. I can never find it in store. Maris, if you hear us, please save me. There you go. There you go. So that's kind of it for this episode. We thank everybody for listening. Um, we're going to do more episodes, and we have a lot more cool things in the future. Um, we just want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. We're going to do the what, what they do at Sonic Scoop and say, the first sponsor is y'all who listen. And he always says <laughs> that every single time. He's like, our most important sponsor is you guys, the listener. You, you ladies and gentlemen, uh, always listening to the show and... He's uh, anyway, so it's a fun show. I love I love that guy from Sonic Sonic Scoop. I think that's what it is, right? Oh yeah. And uh, anyway, so thank you so much for listening. Um, number one is if you are listening on any sort of platform that allows you to leave a review, feel free to leave a uh, a five star review or a, a subscribe or a thumbs up or put it on a pl- whatever it is, whatever. Give platform us three stars to. and like dragon faces. Three stars and dra- don't do that. Don't do that. Do four stars and dragon face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, or you can just send us twenty bucks. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Definitely well, don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Uh, we will not spend it wisely. Um, no, it'll be going to a pizza party. That is a wise. Hold on. That is a wise spend. Are you kidding me? It Let's helps a build pe- a community with our interns. There you go. And with uh, my my stomach. Oh well, I don't know if that's considered part of the community. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my community, okay? <laughs> Yo, shout out to Music Tech. There you go. Uh, the podcast got on Music Tech. Music Tech News. Uh, we got on, on their website, which is really cool. So if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Thank you so much. And uh, we hope to have a lot of cool episodes in the future and more features from other magazines as well. Uh, if you are on mixingmusicpodcast.com, you can always ask for mix feedback. We charge $20 for mix feedback. I know that in the past it was always free. Um, I finally set up the website, so it's $20 because we just had way too many people. I literally had every week I'd have like a couple hundred people, and I it was just not feasible. It was not possible anymore. So um, because of that, uh, we put up a paywall. It's only 20 bucks right now. And both Lou and I respond, uh, you can apply to be a guest on the show as well. I mean, no guarantees or anything, but, um, you can apply to be a guest on the show as well as you can check out all of our sponsors and business resources, um, from f- free plugins, from plugin Alliance to this equipment list to book recommendations. We're going to have to do an episode on the books. Uh, we recommend and, um, the go giver. The, yeah, exactly. You know, my favorites. And uh, um, a bunch of other stuff. So check it out. There's a bunch of free resources. Mixingmusicpodcast.com. Thank you so much. Happy listening, my friends. Wait a second. Happy listening. What do I always say? I say happy mixing, my friends. And stay saucy. Oh, one, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids' books? 
If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kidsbooks to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. 